Hi, I'm Sarah Trott, and welcome to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. I'm a new mama, and this podcast is all about postpartum care for the first few months following birth, the time period also known as the fourth trimester. My postpartum doula, Esther Gallagher, is my co-host. She's a mother, grandmother, perinatal educator, birth and postpartum care provider. Fourth trimester care, our topic, is about the practical, emotional, and social support parents and baby require. And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting. It's Esther Gallagher with the Fourth Trimester Podcast. This week, Sarah isn't with us, but my wonderful guest, Jane Austen, is here, and we're going to be chatting with her about all things uh, birth, postpartum, and yoga. (laughs) Um, I just want to remind our listeners that if you haven't yet, you can sign up for our newsletter at the fourtrimesterpodcast.com. We're on Facebook. And um, uh, we have our Patreon page you can go to if you'd like to help sponsor this podcast. Great. So here we are, uh, Jane. It's so thrilling to have you. I've been, you've been on my list of people that I was going to interview. So um, I'm going to just start by letting you tell us your story of motherhood and yoga and how you got to today and what you do and why you do it. Okay. That sounds good. Ah, wow. I started a long time ago. (laughs) Esther and I have been at this for a long time. I've known you since I came to San Francisco. Yeah. I got here in 89, (laughs) which is basically when I started doing doula work. I went to a workshop that was called Women, Witches, and Midwives that Ann Fuller was doing and Z Budapest and all these ladies back in the day. And I was like, wow. A midwife. Now, what is that again? Mm -hmm. And then from there, I got into a doula training and was going to births and working at San Francisco General and just completely immersed in the birth world. I knew I wanted to be a midwife, so I went to Texas and trained there. And um, then I came back to SF and worked with Shannon Antone in a home birth practice. And that was really my grounding in birth. Like that was, I was young. I hadn't had any of my kids yet. Hadn't my, had either of my children yet. And it was, um, I was, I was young and excited and learning. And I was a sponge. Like I was just a sponge and the birth work just like seeped into my soul. And I really like fell in love with women and witnessed their power Like, even from, like, kind of my seat, from the maiden's seat, I was like, this is a train I want to be on. And just knowing and witnessing how how rich um, the, the working with this population was in terms of feeding my soul, but also being able to to offer anything I had, you know, and at that time. I look back and I'm like, what the heck did I offer those women? And you know what I offered them was um, somebody who would who would sit with them and be with them and literally hold their hands and like, and I you know and I I was holding their hands and I didn't want to be anywhere else like that's where I wanted to be and you know 
rubbing their backs and then, you know, for the, all that doula stuff, but then, you know, getting the midwifery training. And, um, I, I knew though, this was, this was, this was kind of the rub. I knew that once I got pregnant, that I, I didn't really want to go to birth at that point. Like I just wanted to be a pregnant woman. And I always thought I'd go back into midwifery, but to be honest with you, once I had my daughter, I just, the path back to doing the work on that level just seemed insurmountable. Like I just wanted to be with her and, and I still wanted to do the work with women, but it just, I couldn't figure out how to make midwifery work for me once I was, you know, tending to my own child, you know, like you're, you're on call and, you know, 24 hours a day for your children. And the idea of being on call for somebody else was just really hard for me to figure out how to do both of those things. Well, and wouldn't you say that the community hadn't really figured that out for itself? No, they're very well. No, either. they I mean, hadn't. We, there wasn't the, like co- the collectives and the co-ops of the doulas. It was pretty much like midwives. Yeah. Or even midwives. Hard to be a midwife yeah. and not have any kind of built in childcare. Right. You know, just, absolutely. Absolutely. You, know, you didn't have, you weren't living with grandma. Right. A stay-at-home grandma, <laughs> right. right? Then you're kind of SOL. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I that's exactly how I found myself. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not really culturally supported because we always know that the midwives historically were the grannies, you know, once their, their um, commitments within their own home had really shifted mm-hmm. and then they could attend women at birth. But what I, what I did find is I found another way to work with women that just completely feeds me and fuels me in the same way that going to births and being with women did, you know, absolutely. Um, and, and I really came on to, or came into that work, um, when I was pregnant with my daughter and, you know, I had held space for women to be pregnant and for women to like tap into their power and, you know, held up the mirror to show them how amazing and powerful they were but I know that for me personally, I still, I didn't have doubt about the power part. I, I, I gained a lot of weight when I was pregnant. So I was just like this big ginormous pregnant lady. I'm like, you know, I was really puffy, retained a lot of fluid. So I just remember just sort of feeling good, but also not completely embracing my pregnant self. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk interesting. That. I mean, I'm sure that we have lots of listeners who, you know, yeah. if they're not having their dreamed of perfect pregnancy, right. they're struggling a right. lot. So let's talk more about yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate that. And it was less like the pregnancy itself. Like I had aches and pains. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like I didn't like those. And I and I so wanted to be pregnant. Like that was I was pregnant when I was 30. So like in the San Francisco Bay Area, I was kind of young. <laughs> I was a young mom. <laughs> so, you know, I still had lots of vitality, but. I think that, like, culturally, we, like, there's a culture that doesn't, like, you know, so misogynistic, right, of course, doesn't like women's bodies, and then then you have to, like, trust your body, and I, I feel like I was sort of stuck in the, like, oh, I'm really big, and it's hard to, like, move around a little bit, and I actually hadn't done that much yoga up to that point, interestingly enough. I'd done some, you know, I kind of dabbled in it here yeah. and there in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. And it, actually, in those days, all the yoga was in the ashrams, right? You know, there weren't that many. It was the Iyengar Institute and the ashrams. And that was pretty much it until like the mid-90s when yoga studios started opening in SF. 
So, you know, I, I, the, the ashram thing was a little like, oh, okay, whatever. Didn't, it wasn't really, it wasn't my thing, but I did go to a yoga class at the Integral, um, Institute on, um, uh, Dolores. Actually, with my sister, and I literally remember doing Virabhadrasana 2, Warrior 2. I remember what I was wearing. <laughs> I remember, like, striking this pose and being, like, with my breath and my baby and with my body, feeling not just strong and powerful, but also beautiful. Mm. And I yeah. feel like, for me, it was really the first time that I embraced myself as being a beautiful pregnant woman. And that was like a beautiful and powerful and embodied. And I didn't know then, but that was a seed. Like oh, that was, yeah. 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 Which grew into a ginormous mama tree. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> which yeah. is, you know, what I call my, you know, my, my business. But like, yeah. that was like, that was the, the seed that happened in that moment. And, you know, I continued to do the, the classes and, and postnatally, I started dabbling, well, not in the postnatal period, but once I was kind of recovered from the whole birth and a year or so down the road, my sister was like, you should do yoga. And I was like, okay, there's a yoga studio. Is this your sister Mary? No, my sister Anne, yeah, my twin sister. Your twin sister. Yeah, my right, twin, yeah. my twinny mm-hmm. was really into yoga and she's like, you should do yoga. And I was like, okay, I thought, yeah, yoga's cool. I remember yoga was really cool in pregnancy. <laughs> so I started going to yoga regularly. Um, and loving it and really embracing it and helping me embrace my body and just feeling really good and strong and powerful. And, you know, fast forward a little bit and I got pregnant with Leo, my second. And that was about, you know, Leo's three years younger than Clover. And I was going to the yoga classes and the ones that were available and they were more available at that point. They weren't really like what I wanted, they weren't meeting me where I was anymore. And I was like, because mm-hmm. I was in a really different place physically. I was really strong, doing a strong practice, really, you know, had this kind of incredible body that I'd never had in my life. I was like, you know, really <laughs> like fit and strong and gorgeous. Like I felt gorgeous. And so we were gorgeous. <laughs> I can attest. <laughs> I remember. Like giant yeah. pregnant. Like, <laughs> so I just think um, it was, it was, it, it struck me that I only felt at home in my like regular yoga class and I had to modify mm-hmm. postures. And it was after that, it was like, there needs to be something other than like gentle yoga for pregnant women. And, you know, there's a restorative gentle component to prenatal yoga, of course, but I think there's so much value in women feeling empowered by the practice. Mm-hmm. So I literally got a job at the studio where I work now by giving a resume. I hadn't done a teacher training. I had mm-hmm. I had not done a teacher training. It was a two like columned resume. And one was like all my midwifery experience and birth work and all my yoga experience up to that time. And I said like at the bottom and I want to teach prenatal yoga. And the person who owned the studio at the time was like, okay, I know. So I was like, that's crazy because that would not go over now. Um, And and I started teaching prenatal yoga and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And then after like, I think I'd been teaching maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. I was like, I should do a training. So I went back and was still teaching, but did a, a 200 hour yoga teacher training. But what I noticed and what 
I didn't like about teaching prenatal yoga is afterwards they dropped off a cliff. <laughs> I never saw them again. And like they literally, I'm mean, not literally, but metaphorically definitely dropped off a cliff. And then I was like, wait a minute. I, I can't not have them come back to yoga. <laughs> At the time, there really wasn't that much information. And I, up to this point, I had been, you know, I researched a ton on my own, not just, you know, yoga practices for pregnancy and postnatal, but like what was happening in the fitness world, what was happening in the physical therapy world, mm -hmm. which a lot of the stuff I started learning was like really different what the yoga world was saying. And I just kind of dove in and created postnatal classes really based on um, information that I was receiving just, you know, from books and mostly books at the time, but now websites, of course, and, you know, whatever resources we can find online, but also from my own experience and also from the women, from the mamas themselves, asking mm. them what feels good, what doesn't feel good, what do you need, like, what do you need in the practice today? Yeah. So using that really um, informed how I developed my whole perinatal program and, you know, from, from prenatal all the way through into the postnatal period, which is so important to also have that bridge, Yeah, you know, to make that link and that connection from the pre to the post. So I feel like the postnatal classes will often give a woman a place to land, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Even if it's just to land, like literally to right, land, yeah. to just show up. Just oh yeah. Show up and sit. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. I had a, woman with a five week old baby <laughs> mm -hmm. in class today. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you need? And she was like, I just need to be here, you know, cause she had done the prenatal classes with me for all those months and months and months. So to have a place where she knew that I would be there, you know, that, you know, that there would be a tribe of women there or a group of mm -hmm. women, whatever she connects to, but that she, you know, a place where she felt safe. Yeah. And yeah. seen and held. And knew how to get to. And, and knew. And, and back home too. And knew how to get to, yes, on a full yeah. practical level. She'd yeah. been there yeah. before. Like that to me is so important. And I definitely have women who like come into class who've never been to class before. They just heard about the class or whatever. Of course, those women are 100% welcome. Yeah. But those women who like come back specifically because they, the path has been laid and it's mm -hmm. just easier if the path has been laid if you know how to get there if you know you know something as mundane as what the parking situation is or how long <laughs> yeah. it'll take you to walk there or whatever mm -hmm. yeah whatever it is yeah so. the public transportation yeah whatever it is <laughs> well so i'm very curious because you're in this wonderful position and you're you know, this sort of intelligent woman who knows to do so. I'm very curious when you ask the question, what do you need? Mm -hmm. What kind of answers you're hearing? Because I'm sure it will resonate with our listeners who, yeah. who may or may not have right. a yoga practice to turn to. Right, right. Well, and I hear all kinds, I, all kinds of answers to, the, to that question. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes women will answer purely on the physical, like, you know, oh, my neck is so... Strained, And, you know, of course your neck is strained. You're looking down at this little creature that you made. And, you know, it's it's hard to take your eyeballs off of those little people sometimes. Mm -hmm. They're infinitely fascinating to some mamas. And um, But the thing is, you don't really understand that until you have your own kid. And certainly that's not every woman's experience, um, you know, kind of depending on what's going on in her life. But many women, when they look at their babies, they just can't stop looking at them. <laughs> 
which is so, so, so sweet. Um, for me personally, I designed the postnatal classes really for the moms mm -hmm. and the babies. We do a sweet little baby, you know, baby yoga, play with the baby little session. But mm -hmm. for so many women, so much of their life in pregnancy has been about the baby. I mean, about taking care of themselves in relationship to their baby. Right. And then as we know, Esther, as we like know, mm -hmm. um, there's basically no postpartum care for women, you know, in our culture. You get one, you know, insurance covers one visit. So once the baby, this, okay, this is my, this is my lens. Mm -hmm. This is my lens. So you can know that this is my lens. This is how I see it. So a woman goes through her pregnancy if she's getting like regular maternity care, obstetrical care, her body goes through a series of tests and she goes to the prenatal visits to um, assess whether she is safe for her baby. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, and then depending on the, the lens of the care provider, her baby needs to be rescued from her body during the labor and birth because somehow you know, she has grown a person inside of her body and her body is now dangerous for her baby. So her baby has to be rescued yeah. from her body. And then when her baby has been rescued, her body is discarded. Yeah. I feel like crying. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah. Like I get chills. Yeah. Like, yeah. how can that be? How can we have a culture that's so has so little respect for women that once that the precious baby and the baby is precious, yeah. but once that baby, like, like then, then it's like the OB sort of signs off. Like I managed to rescue the baby from the dangerous woman's body <laughs> and then the care is over. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, Oh, Oh, then somebody else is in charge of the baby. We'll give the baby to the pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And then what happens to a woman's body? You know, zero care has been given to her and to me like that is like it's an abomination it's so mm -hmm. tragic I, I mean I think it's like it's I and you know this is like woo-woo but I think it's soul wounding for women yeah for them to be so discarded postnatally mm -hmm. and you know one of the things I try to to do is to help women be empowered in their pregnancies so that they know that they have value and that they are worth it like they are worth care and I talk to women all the time about doula care and you know I'll, I'll say in my prenatal classes I'll say what's your postpartum plan yeah what's your postpartum plan and I'll tell them you know your partner taking two weeks off of work is not a postpartum plan that's nothing that's actually like that that is the equivalent of zero postpartum care because they're also really tired too and they're in the overwhelm too and you know i think partners don't and what do they know about it? and what do they know about who's, it? who's taught them who's, anything like, about what it means or looks like or yeah. smells like or right yeah is needed or absolutely what not to do yeah nobody yeah. yeah yeah you know what you get you get a baby care class yeah <laughs> from one of the local hospitals which you know baby care classes are sweet and take one if you're inclined but you don't need to be taught how to put a diaper on you're going to do a bazillion of them the first couple are going to suck You'll figure out how to do them. I mean, you know, go online, get a video, whatever, you know, watch a, watch a video or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that um, you know, planting that seed for them to figure out what they need to do in that postpartum mm -hmm. period to feel nourished and fed. And who are the people in your life that you can call upon? Mm 
And if like, uh, you know, two or three people don't immediately come to mind, then you need to call in some other people. Mm-hmm. Like who is going to be there? And I, I know that you were postpartum doula mm-hmm. for my sister, Mary. Yeah. And Jessie yeah. was my postpartum doula. And I yeah. talk about her to this day, mm-hmm. to this day. I remember Jessie would walk through the door of my, you know, postpartum house and within five minutes, there was an amazing smoothie right by my, you know, right on the table next to my nursing station, you know, and, and it wasn't like, oh, Jesse, will you make me a smoothie? Like it was just yeah. there. It was just there. And I would literally look at that smoothie and practically cry. <laughs> a little like, oh, there's a smoothie. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes women don't, I mean, of course, because we're not educated, but they don't understand how much energy it takes to take care of a baby. Just to be taking care of a baby. Yeah. And your healing and recovery. You know, yeah. if you'd if you'd broken your leg, nobody would expect you to do anything. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Right. And then we and know. you haven't broken a leg. Cultures all over birth. the world, like, nourish and feed they're women in pregnancy and postpartum, right? That's like those those women get the best cuts, you know, of meat or, you know, the most nutritious food and the biggest portions so that they can be nourished and fed and be strong and rebuild their own bodies, take care of their children, of course, but rebuild their own bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I literally tell a woman, you know, when she's in that postpartum period that all she's going to do is eat, sleep, drink, go to the bathroom and feed the baby. And then she looks at me like, well, what am I going to do the rest of the time? It's like, there is no rest of the time. There's no rest of the time. Like, where's the shower? That's not on the top five list. So (laughs) maybe a shower. If somebody holds the baby while you take a shower. And I think that concept of, you know, jumping out of your postpartum bed and you know going out in the world and oh my god you look like you you know you didn't even have a baby and like that's a compliment Mm. like that's a compliment in our culture is like you look like this life-altering soul-changing thing didn't even happen that's amazing I'm isn't like, that good? isn't that yeah. so great? Yeah. Yeah. yeah is right. <laughs> and it's so unrealistic. And then women like squish their bodies into spanks and go out and like, oh, it hurts me. It hurts my soul because it's not what women need. Women need to be fed and nourished and taken care of. And, and get some sleep so they don't lose their minds. And get rest. Sleep deprivation is so powerful. What are, what are the stats on that? Like, I want to say like eight to eight hundred to a thousand hours of sleep a woman will lose in her child's first year of life. Yeah, what? and that's crazy. That's crazy. And babies are sleeping. Babies are sleeping. You know what we're doing? What babies are sleeping? Laundry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so not right. It's yeah. So, and and it's yeah. and it's interesting in my practice as a postpartum caregiver how hard it is for moms to let go of that you know they just don't you know I don't want to I don't want to be the person saying no if you don't sleep bad things are going to happen right right (laughs) and but but but, um 
you know, my approach is, so how much sleep are you getting in a 24 hour period? Right. You know, and if it's five hours, it's, it's, you should be shooting for 12 and getting eight. Right. Right. And if you're getting eight, then you should be shooting for 15 and getting 12. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like the baby's sleeping 12 hours, give or take. So like... You could too right. if you slept when the baby sleeps. Right. So and I'm, people, you know, people hate hearing that though. Uh, that mom's always saying, "Oh, people say that I hate that," and I think it's this because part of that is is that seems completely unobtainable, unattainable, right? Like right. that it's just completely out of the reality. But it wouldn't be if you were able to let go of some of those other expectations of what you think you should be doing and what you think you should look like and what you think, you know, whatever you think in terms of um, getting back out there, Mm -hmm. you know, getting on your pregnancy genes. You know what I say about your your pre-pregnancy genes? You know what I say about those? Um, I won't say it on this podcast, (laughs) but blank that. (laughs) Blank those things. (laughs) Okay. So, but, but what I do say, I do really encourage women to, Buy some transitional clothing, mm-hmm. you know, especially once you're like getting out and about. No, first thing I tell you, first thing I tell them to do is before you have your baby, buy yourself a beautiful pair of jammies. Yeah. Like something like, you know, like ones that you look at the price tag and you're like, oh, I'm not going to get those even though they're so cute. <laughs> get those because you're going to wear them and you're going to wear them and you're going to wear them. That's such great advice. And I, I love it. Well, I give that advice because I remember one of my dear, dear friends, Laura Todaro, Laura, Laura, oh. who's now a certified nurse midwife. Oh, yeah, Laura. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, she's incredible. She's my absolute hero. You know, she had two kids and she just made her way through nursing school, midwifery school. But even way before that, she was a sage. And she said um, she came over to my house across the bridge with her own tiny baby in tow when I was postnatal, like postpartum in the first week or so. I want to say day three. That's when I remember it being. I don't know when it was actually in the soup. I was in the soup of postpartum. And she brought me a pair of jammies, beautiful cotton jammies. And I love those jammies. In fact, I'm like, I'm embarrassed to say, I haven't thrown them away. (laughs) How old is your kid now? Oh, she's 20. (laughs) But it's just, it's actually, I cut cut the fabric and I put it away just to have like a piece of fabric from this time that was so potent and so full of, of tears of overwhelm and tears of joy and so loving my baby I had a really hard time breastfeeding so I it was I was really conflicted but this fabric literally holds my tears and I just couldn't I couldn't throw the whole thing away I like I didn't keep keep them all I just cut off like one of the legs part that wasn't too faded (laughs) everything else was like stretched out but 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 so that's the first thing I say is get yourself a beautiful pair of jammies that you just feel nice and they feel good and you'll wear them you know button down if you're planning on breastfeeding or even if you're not you know the being able to kind of be free in your clothes it feels nice and if you're bottle feeding being able to have some skin to skin contact with your baby so like nice button down jammies well Um, there's another practical element to all this which is you know despite what many women feel compelled to do 
it's much healthier in in those first six weeks ish to be roaming around in jammies so that if you do go to the door for some unknown reason, um, you're sending a message to the people who are on the other side of that door. Yeah. That you're not up and dressed and ready for prime time. Oh, that's brilliant. I hadn't yeah. thought of it yeah. in that way, but yeah. Some people say, um, keep your bathrobe on a hook next to the front door and put it on before answering the door. <laughs> no matter what you have on underneath, you've got your bathrobe on, you look like you're ready to go to bed. And people won't stay. They will they'll, they'll hand you the food that they brought and yeah. they'll leave. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Or at great. least I love even it. if they come in for a visit, yeah, they won't stay long. They'll, they'll recognize that you are in baby mode and that... Um, you know, things need to be brief. I love that. Yeah. That's brilliant. So, That's, yeah. It's usually the UPS guy. Right. 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 So, uh, and I, he's used to it. Believe me. They're, uh, they're used to seeing, I have funny stories about I have, what I have, the UPS guy is. I have a hilarious story about what my <laughs> friend, the plumber, saw. And I had no idea who I thought my husband had forgotten something and came right back in. Yeah. <laughs> And I was wearing my jammies with my top open. And I was like, what did you forget? And there was the plumber. It was, it was a friend's husband. I was like, oh. Whoops. He said, that's the best uh, That's the best welcoming I've ever had. I was like, oh, my God. My big, giant postpartum tits. I was like, pardon me, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, but the uh, but the other thing I do say for women because there's this expectation that their bodies shouldn't look like they just had a baby, you know, they often don't feel good in their prenatal clothes anymore because they like those mm-hmm. are the, like their stretched out clothes. So mm-hmm. once she's kind of ready to take off her jammies, take off the bathrobe, and go into the world, I recommend that she not you know pine away for her pre-pregnant jeans. And go out and buy some clothes that fit her body. Yeah. And those are the transitional clothes. And you wear those, you know, that that 16 or that 14 or that 10 or that 8 or that 6 or like whatever it is or 4. Like whatever it is that is a size that fits your postpartum body mm-hmm. so that you have clothes that you can move in that you feel good in because they fit you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe as you start to reduce a little bit in that postpartum year or so, you get rid of the tens and you buy a pair of eights or whatever, you know? Well, and, and you know, remember, and we, we referenced this on a previous show, you know, your breasts are larger while lactating. <laughs> um, so you're going you're gonna to weigh more just because you have bare boobs and you know your body naturally is going to hold some weight around the hips and thighs that's milk making yeah uh stuff and so you know you should expect that you're going to weigh five to ten pounds extra for the course of your breastfeeding trajectory now gradually that will whittle away as you gradually wean your baby if you do that yeah if you wean precipitously your appetite's going to stay in in check for another six weeks and you're going to have to gradually lose your appetite um but in any case right it's you know there's there's it's important to recognize that that's what we're talking about when we talk about a postpartum body. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That it's very specific body. 
Um, and, uh, you know, there's a reason why First Peoples in America called us changing women. Like, mm-hmm. their goddess is changing women because, you know, the we just are like butterflies and we're just constantly moving and changing in terms of how our bodies are architecturally and um so you know if you're having more children you're going to go in and out of this body yeah again and again with variations on the theme so (laughs) i think that's wonderful wonderful advice you know to just know that this is you're going to enjoy this more if you're not imagining something that just is frankly absurd or comparing yourself to other people yeah you know, we see that woman and, oh, my God, she lost all of her pregnancy weight in six mm-hmm. weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually not healthy. Yeah. You know, there's there's a biological imperative that we do carry, you know, a little bit of extra weight. And, and you know, I think that that's for some women, they are told that, oh, if you breastfeed, you're going to lose all the weight really quickly. I found the same thing. I carried an additional five to ten pounds until I literally would like feed Clover like a banana Mm-hmm. And I'd lose a pound. Right. Or yeah. she'd start eating <laughs> avocado or <laughs> eggs or whatever. And I and once she started eating more solids, I mean, I breastfed both my kids until they're about 19 months-ish, mm-hmm. um, which was not all peaches and cream, I'll tell you. So if yeah. you want to hear the horror stories of that, yeah. and be challenging. Um, but I literally remember, like, as soon as she was not... Re- my body wasn't required to provide her soul sustenance mm-hmm. without me consciously changing my diet or anything, the weight slipped off. And mm-hmm. to the point that, and I see this in women, they'll get a little underweight. Yeah. At one point I did get a little bit underweight. I'm like, dang, this is like, I'm yeah. like, my head's too big for this skinny body. I'm going to like bounce back up a little bit. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, I just think that like allowing yourself to be in that transition and I love that, you know, that that concept of changing woman because that's we're always changing, right? Yeah. From, yeah. from menarche to, you know, mm-hmm. our menstruation to mm-hmm. perimenopause, menopause and you know, that's a lot of hormonal fluctuations and, you know, yeah. a lot of body changes. Yeah. So being kind and to yourself. And there's a way to not have to fight that all the time. Oh, hallelujah. It yeah, and, hallelujah. And, and enjoy it. And, um, uh, well, and like not being in a battle with your own body. My midwife said to me when I was, you know, 18 years old and about to give birth to the, my first kid, she said, um, well, wouldn't it be nice to be, you know, a soft, receptive place for your baby, you know, like, um, and I thought, yeah, wow. yeah, who wants to be uh, skin and bones <laughs> for a new baby, right? Like. They really? want to be snuggle, want, nuggle, yeah, nuggle. Yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, not to body shame anybody of no, any shape right, or size, course. but it was a nice invitation. Right. At that, you know, we're talking 1978 when, you know, the onset of the anorexia era, oh. right? And so to hear that from a woman I, I very much loved and respected and who I knew 
cared about women and cared about me was very, very good because, oh, because if it had been out, up to my partner, I would have weighed 10 pounds. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, it, that was empowering for me to kind of know like, okay, there are people who care about you and people who want you to be somebody for them. Right. And that was just a really super nice message to get. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's important. It's yeah. important, mm-hmm. you know, and we, and the culture doesn't tell us that. No, the culture says, mm-hmm. you know, you have to look a certain way and, and, yeah. you know, it's unfortunate, but there are people yeah, like you, like me, mm-hmm. like your midwife and lots of women in the tribe to support each other and care for each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we need that. I yeah. ask women all the time, you know what, you know, I was talking to a woman today, um, pregnant woman, new to town. And I said, do you know any, do you know anybody in town? And she said, I know a few people. I said, do you know any like pregnant women? And she's like, not really. <laughs> and I was like, well, look around, say hi. It's so much easier to make connections when you're pregnant yeah. than in that postpartum period, especially if right. you're feeling isolated and alone. So I strongly recommend, you know, going to places where other pregnant women are when you're pregnant, whether it's, you know, going to childbirth classes, going to natural resources if you're in San Francisco or just, you know, whatever the resource centers are for pregnant women mm-hmm. and new mamas, wherever, you know, in your own communities, like where are they? Like find them now yeah. when you're pregnant. And meet those new moms because, it, yeah. you know, they've, they too may be a little isolated because yeah. like you, they may have just arrived on the San Francisco scene and right. not had a chance to cultivate much, cultivate much by way of community. And, you know, they may really welcome a sister who's just right behind them in the kind yeah, of trajectory, you absolutely. know, to, to reach out to as well. So, yeah, I think um, show up at the, the little playgrounds and <laughs> meet, you know, meet the moms who are strolling the little babies to, right. the, to, the, to the playground and stuff like that. Well, I have a great way for the mamas. One of the things I offer in my classes is that I offer a free prenatal class. If the pregnant women stay and hold babies in the postnatal class. Nice. So I teach a pre and postnatal class back to back three times a week. So smart. Yeah. So they can stay, you know, so it's it's a thank you. The free prenatal class is a thank you for them to be willing to stay and help mm-hmm. out with the babies. And then that way they can actually see for themselves who's on the other side of the river. Yeah. What it looks like, how much work it takes to like care for a baby you know so it's mm-hmm. i love being that i love being creating the opportunity for there to be a bridge mm-hmm. you know and all so the brilliant. a lot of the pregnant ladies just like stream out because you know we're all busy we got stuff to do but but sometimes they stay yeah and they stay and they'll say oh i'll stay i just have to grab a snack or move my car it's like yep grab a snack move your car come on back right. and we'll be here and the you know the new moms appreciate so much just having somebody hold their babe for a few mo- you know, for a few moments while they do some yoga postures. Well, and you know, for some pregnant moms, they can't. I this might sound a little heavy hand. They can't wait to get their hands on a baby. That's the whole idea, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. getting some practice feels with with other 
baby. It's really is sweet, pretty juicy, and pretty fun, and it's really can be pretty funny too. Really so. juicy. I have yeah. uh, I went by forty one week moms, forty one week pregnant moms. I'm like, come on down. Yeah, I'll give you a small this. one. Yeah, get a little tiny baby nestling up to your bosom. Yeah. That gets the oxytocin levels <laughs> elevated. So that's some you know that's a strategy. Yeah, right that's some midwife tricks to get yeah. the get those labors started. Yeah, so, but it's super. Sweet. So she is really pregnant. I'm not going to say, oh, pick up a yeah. six-month-old baby. Like, right. I'll hold the six-month-old. You hold the six-weeker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> try on just, a little one. Yeah. First yeah. Try on a little one. So, <laughs> yeah, it's really sweet. And sometimes women will do it once in their pregnancy. And sometimes I've had women over the years who've done it their whole pregnancy yeah. and got, you know, free yoga the whole time That's because great. they donated their time, mm-hmm. you know, and I've had young women. I had a 19 year old woman once mm-hmm. and she was pregnant and she came and held babies all. I actually had two women who were in their teens, mm-hmm. 19 over the years who held babies through their pregnancies many times and felt like it helped them so much like come in to their in into their mothering but like th- that was already there yeah. <laughs> but but to trust mm-hmm. that they had all that they needed to mother those babies mm-hmm. and they were already all that they needed to be yeah. even at that tender age uh, yeah. you know you know that place yeah you totally. know to have something that gives you that confidence mm-hmm. and i have to say i had a student once Many years later, I received a big, and it was one of these moms, one of these, these 19-year-old moms, got a big fat envelope in the mail, and I was like, oh, what is this? And it was a wedding invitation. <laughs> so it was like 10 years later, I feel like crying. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Look at that. That's like, super sweet. Yeah. It was, you know, being a part of this really special time in her life and mm-hmm. maybe a time that was a little overwhelming and mm-hmm. to have the yoga practice for herself, being able to hold babies in the postnatal class, like she never forgot that. And, and, and I, unfortunately I was busy that weekend, but it was like, what an honor for somebody to remember and to think of, I think of inviting me into Mm -hmm. this other beautiful transformative time in her life, this Mm -hmm. ritual because That's I was sweet. there that first time. Yeah. Or one of the other times. So, yeah. That is <laughs> I know. I yeah. love my mama so much. <laughs> I ran into three of them on the way over. Oh, <laughs> Literally. Adorable. Literally yeah. three of them. Yeah. No, maybe four, actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is a great neighborhood for it. Oh, days, I know. I have to say. I know. It's kind of the new Noe Valley, right? There's lots of babies. <laughs> lots of babies. Yeah. Lots of strollers. Lots of babies on mama's bodies. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, Jane. Well, and I mean, I just, I just also want to uh, put in a plug to our our still pregnant moms that uh, another f- legendarily fun thing that Jane offers is is a prenatal class for. Um, moms and their partners it can be whatever kind of partner you have or want or 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 uh can come up with but you get to show up and do all kinds of super fun sort of labor practice yeah absolutely um, oh it's one of my favorite things that i teach because it's and and obviously 
every woman has her own story with a partner, whether she has one or not. And I have had women who are single moms who do it with a doula. Yeah. So, to ha- but it's good to have it be somebody that you're connected to, of course, right. obviously. Yeah. Obviously, um, you know, a close friend or mm-hmm. a, a doula even. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and maybe in any case, hopefully someone who's committed to being with you in labor. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Absolutely. That's the person who needs to be there. So, but for the women who have partners, um, and, you know, we were speaking about this. It's like in that postpartum period, like all of a sudden, you know, kind of culturally, men in particular, and female partners too, to some extent, but men in particular are expected to step into the red tent and know how to be with a laboring woman. Like, what the heck are you supposed to do? Yeah, what minute of their life prepared them for that? Yeah, exactly. Nothing, nothing. And maybe a good childbirth prep class will do that, Um, of course, I hope. Mm -hmm. Um, But the workshop specifically, I I laugh about it because I think that the partners think that they're just sort of coming along for the ride, like that she just (laughs) sort of like said you had to come to this thing. And so you go. And the truth <laughs> is, is that I basically talked to the partners the yeah. whole time. Mm-hmm. And the mama, the pregnant mama, that is, is the one coming along for the ride. Yeah. Like she's the one coming along for the ride and partner. I'm going to help mm-hmm. you figure out. It's really twofold. Like I have some stuff that I think would be helpful for you to know, but just letting them know if they know her, mm-hmm. then, and they really show up for her that they can be great support, right? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they're always going to do everything right. And yeah, woman in labor will tell you if she doesn't want something. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> but but that they have some capacity like, to like really give them confidence that they have some capacity to show up. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, give them some tools to help them do that. And it's fun and it's silly. And mm-hmm. even the most reluctant like dad is like, Oh, I was hopeful. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there are people that leave and they don't find it that helpful. And I'm sorry about that. But the vast majority of people, and I love kind of razzing the ones who are the most like, yeah. you know, like, what, what is she making here? me do? Right. Mm-hmm. I love, I love kind of poking at them a little bit because mm-hmm. it's, it's also a way to kind of keep some levity too. And, yeah. you know. You thought you were going to be watching football this afternoon. Or, I mean, that's a stereotype, but you know yeah. what I mean. Like, you sure. thought you were going to be doing something else other than listening to this lady remind you to take a deep breath. Right. <laughs> well, and you know what? I think um, often it's the case, even even for those folks who who manifest that, cultural norm of like I'm a man and therefore I don't belong here right and therefore I don't need to know right right um stuff (laughs) that that you know given an opportunity an actual welcome while there's a lot of you know sort of received and cultivated resistance you know one opportunity can be all that it takes for them to say oh yeah that came that comes from some place that I don't really honor and I really do want to turn myself in the direction of my partner and my child and and this project that we're right. we're doing together whether we do it as a team or not. Right. Right. We're yeah. in this. Yeah. And we can either play together or not or not yeah and maybe it would be fun to play together right so well and i would say the best like 
preparation for childbirth and for parenting together is to be connected to one another mm-hmm. and to trust one another, you know, because you're going to be parenting this child, hopefully, for your entire life long. Yeah. Whether you'll be together or not, I can't guarantee that. Right, yeah. But you will be, um, you know, hopefully uh, parenting together. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's a it's a lifelong journey. It's your child's lifelong journey. Yes, so. absolutely. Um, well, this has been really fun. Really I knew fun. it would be. And well, I, I feel like uh, we're not even done yet. No, so we maybe could probably do three of these. I, and, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I got, I got more to say. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> well, well, we don't have to close up quite this this moment. Okay. Like, um, let's uh, turn back in the direction of postpartum. Okay, how's that? And do do a little more on that before we close up sure. for today. Sure. And um, well, I would love to talk a little bit about it because I think there's a lot of um, this just misinformation out there um, on on so many different levels. But even just on the the physical level, you know, um, we invite women to come back into the postnatal classes after a vaginal birth. When and and even a cesarean birth, when the uterus has completely involuted, so she really shouldn't be bleeding, pretty much at all, because if she's bleeding, there's still weight in the uterus, and that puts a ton of uh, strain on the ligaments that support the uterus. And if the there's weakness in the pelvic floor, and for many women there are, and if there's postural misalignments that don't mm-hmm. support the proper involution. Uh, the uterus, it can absolutely um, cause some um, just complications postnatally. So, oh, gosh, and I'm speaking yeah. mostly about um, pelvic organ prolapse, you know, so doing too much too fast can actually have really pretty intense ramifications. And I don't say that to be sort of draconian and scare you, but it's really... I want women to know, and this is, so this is a very heavy statement. So take a deep breath. <laughs> and I will tell you that your gynecological future can depend on how well you take care of yourself postpartum. Here, here. Period. <laughs> H-E-A-R. Yes. Here, here. Yes, yes, yes. So that is, and, and we don't really know that because we don't get postpartum care. So, you know, doing too much too fast can not only just deplete you and make you a miserable, you know, mentally and emotionally, but also physically your body needs time to recover, right? And so giving yourself some space. Now, it doesn't mean you don't do any kind of um, movement. Of course, stretching out the shoulders, of course, you know, tapping into that deep breath that helps you activate the transverse muscles in your abdomen and lifting the pelvic floor, like that kind of stuff for sure. But, you know, I literally had a woman tell me today, now this is, this is appalling that this happened today, (laughs) meaning like the OBs have not like followed any of the research. She had her OB tell her at her last visit that in order to get, you know, back into shape and retone her abdominal muscles that she should do crunches. 
Like we have known for a decade, a decade that women should not overwork the rectus muscles in those early days postpartum because it actually exacerbates a potentially a problematic situation where the abdominal muscles, the superficial muscles, the rectus muscles are actually separated. So we know that. And anybody that works with postpartum women, which I would argue OBs do not <laughs> because they don't really offer care to that population. Um, Obstetricians don't study physical therapy. No. Unfortunately, they're two distinct right. um, venues. Well, right? well not, so even, just... not even studying physical therapy, but how about muscle structures of a postpartum woman's body? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's just right. start... What is there. the perineum going to be able to do yeah. or not do yeah. and, for and, six weeks? And what is going to support postpartum recovery of those abdominal muscles? And I'm not even talking about OBs knowing very specific exercises and numbers of, you know, reps you should do. Like, <laughs> that's, you know, but, but, but to have this doctor in this day and age tell a woman, like, they told, they told women that 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of we all were saying, do kegels and crunches, like back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, like when that's what the fitness industry was telling people to do. Mm-hmm. But what we know now is that the women's bodies postpartum, you need to start at the foundation of the abdominal core and the true core, which is the pelvic floor, respiratory diaphragm, transverse abdominals. And some people will even call, you know, um, include the multifidi, which is the smallest muscles that support the spine that are closest to the spine. Nice. So, yeah, like being able to understand those muscle functions in those early days and weeks postpartum is definitely going to help you. And you don't need to have a physical therapist, but just understand that how you hold your body will impact your postpartum recovery. Understanding that how you breathe will impact your postpartum recovery so it's it's simple stuff it's not rocket science no and and i try to remind my new mamas listen if you were even if you were put on bed rest during your pregnancy you've had you have nine months of human growth hormones coursing through your system (laughs) you're not gonna lose much right so don't despair, right. right? Really what's going on is you're, you know, you've been sort of hyperestrogenated, hyperprogesteronated, yeah. and human growth hormones. So, you know, you you can you can afford to to rest mm-hmm. and recover mm-hmm. and do the foundational things first. Right. Right. And not sort of just fly into prime time. Right. Uh, immediately. And, and that's definitely why... not going to like regular like yoga classes. I'm always so chagrined and so saddened when I hear that, you know, women are going back to their regular classes, like mm-hmm. immediately postpartum, even, you know, after even after the involution of the uterus, like a lot of the postures that are done in yoga are not appropriate for new postpartum moms. Yeah. And I mean, we just you don't still know that. have a lot of um, oxytocin and, and um, prolactin 
which soften yeah, the ligament structure. So yeah, relaxin, that was the one I was searching for. And so, you know, you have a different kind of body right. that isn't structurally on a molecular level, isn't structurally the kind of body that's going to be able to do some of the things that an athlete would expect their bodies to do, a tennis player or a basketball player and on the other hand you have a body that can do things that they can't do either and that's the part we leave out (laughs) i have my t-shirt on i should have taken this off jane so you can see it i have this t-shirt on that i wear even though i'm post-menopausal jane's gonna read it to you It says, I make milk. That What's your superpower? <laughs> I make milk. What's your superpower? That's right? awesome. So there's so much <laughs> that your body is doing. Yeah. And that it it is gaining now from being postpartum yeah. and from holding your baby at the breast and walking your baby around. And, you know, hopefully you're doing all of these things with a certain mindfulness and a certain somatic awareness that allows you to relax where you need to relax more and, 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 uh, firm up where you need to firm up to give yourself support. Um, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity to get in touch with your body, uh, in a, a, at a new, deeper level, I think. Right. We're not invited to do that very often, which is why your classes are so fantastic. And mm. Well, you know. we also think about going from being pregnant to not being pregnant is one of the most rapid physiological changes that can happen, mm-hmm. you know, short of being born and dying. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's such a huge shift that happens. And because everything is very stretched out from pregnancy in that early period postpartum, there's a lot of instability. And there's more instability in the postpartum period than there is even in the prenatal period because you have some of the, um, I mean, there's a lot, there can be instability prenatally, but everything's sort of stretched out and contained in a way, Mm -hmm. right? So once the baby's out, there's no, like everything's really soft and super duper mobile. And so... I would argue that it's even more important to go to postnatal classes than prenatal classes. I mean, you know, I would say go to prenatal classes. If you were going to choose. Yeah, Yeah. if I was going to choose because there's a lot out there in the yoga world, like I was saying, that is not appropriate for postpartum women. There's very, like, I don't do the deep backbending poses. Pregnant postnatal women do not need to do deep backbending poses. You know, we don't do full wheel in a postnatal class. Yeah. You know, even if I have a mom who's six months down the road, like she might be able to do full wheel if she's a yogini, but not in the postnatal class. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. there's other postures. Oh, there's great backbends in the postnatal class to help build strength in the back, but mm-hmm. not that one. So, you know, unless you know what to avoid, um, it's really easy to get injured. Mm-hmm. You know, Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's the same in so many things. I'll just say, you know, I... I don't want to send my postpartum moms to a masseuse that doesn't understand postpartum bodies. Absolutely. I don't want to send my postpartum moms to a physical therapist who hasn't studied pelvic floor right. and pelvis and you know. Well, and I, I, have, I have a, a bias for that too. Mm-hmm. I really think that if you're going to see 
a physical therapist who does pelvic floor work is that they have to have the education to do internal work. Yeah. Like I can't imagine why if you were working with that population, with the mama population, that you would not hone that skill to be able to do internal assessments. Now, right. it's not everybody's cup of tea to do that, but then Don't do, do that orthopedics. Yeah. <laughs> right. Look yeah. at work on people's knees. Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. you need to, uh, from my perspective, if you're going to do PT, having that next level of understanding of what's going mm-hmm. on in a woman's body is so important. Yeah. So important. Yeah. So. Yeah. Great. Well, now I want to come to your class and hold babies. You can come anytime. I know. know I should. Yeah. Well, if you want to come and do the prenatal class just to see what I'm teaching these days, you know, there's always an evolution. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been teaching for a long, long time. So I always add new things and learn new things and get inspired by new things. So (laughs) anytime you want to come, you are more than welcome. So come as my guest. Awesome. And then hold babies. I will. Awesome. I totally will. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, what do you think? That's a pretty full. I think that's good. Yeah. I think that's good, but I'd love to come back. Great. And we will have you back. Awesome. Um, hopefully the computer didn't shut down. It looks like we're still recording, Woo-hoo. I hope. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless yeah. you think there's anything else you want to add on this particular podcast. Well, no, I think I think that's pretty nice and full. And um, do you think the moms would want just a very short breath uh, awareness yeah. practice? Yo, that'd like, be lovely. That be, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's do five minutes of that. Oh, awesome. Okay. Okay, okay, good. All right. So you've been listening, listening to this thing. So if you're not driving, <laughs> if you happen to be, and if you're cooking dinner or you're doing something else while you're listening and can't do the very short breath awareness, um, I'm going to ask that you make a commitment to yourself and go back and do this simple, simple breath awareness practice um, well, at some can, point. They can pause this. It's a podcast. So they can, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can come back when they're done with yeah, their Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what I mean. That's what I mean. So don't just be like, okay, I'll let it run while I'm doing my dishes or, or <laughs> doing whatever, you know, finishing up my doctoral thesis. <laughs> no, you wouldn't be listening to the podcast and doing that. But but whatever you're doing. So so take a moment, if it's safe for you to do so, sit in a place um, that's comfortable You want to be on your sit bones. So you actually want to feel that connection of the bony structure, the pelvis on whatever you're sitting on. So whether it's your chair or floor, cushion, whatever it is. And then just let your eyes close. And of course, you can have babe in arms or babe nearby for the pregnant or for the, the new mamas, of course. And then just take a moment as you feel that physical connection of your sit bones making contact with whatever you're sitting on. Just let that physical connection be a reminder to stay here. Allow that grounding and rooting of the pelvis to keep you rooted in this moment. And then from that place, from that grounded, from that rooted place, begin to grow the spine. So let your spine get nice and long. So what we're doing is we're creating a container for your deep breath. So the sit bones are rooted. 
the spine is long and reach the crown of the head up toward the sky. Now the stage has been set. Mm. And let your focus turn to your breath. And then just notice for you how your breath feels in your body. Maybe maybe the breath feels really smooth and deep and even, or, or maybe there's a little bit of shallowness in your breath. So just observe. So don't judge, just notice. So just notice like what's happening. And maybe there's a shift in the breath as you begin to pay attention. That's not uncommon. So from where you are in this moment, I just invite you to begin to deepen your breath just a, just a little bit. So we don't want to be aggressive. And you can get the visual, if it's helpful for you, that the rib cage, the lower ribs are, are opening up. The rib cage is opening. As you inhale, think about the ribs opening up like an umbrella opens. And then when you exhale, the ribs drop down. So we feel that kind of expansion and contraction happening in your ribs. And then keeping that visualization, bring your focus and your awareness to that dome-shaped smooth muscle called the diaphragm. Now the diaphragm is what separates the chest cavity from the abdominal cavity. So that when we inhale and the ribs open up, the diaphragm presses down. It moves down. And then when we exhale and the ribs kind of draw in slightly, the diaphragm lifts back up into its dome shape. So on the inhale, it moves down. On the exhale, it lifts. And then as you allow your breath to really move through your torso, releasing any gripping or holding in the belly and allowing your belly to be receptive to breath. So as you inhale and the diaphragm moves down, there's an expansion of your belly. And then as you exhale, the belly will sort of snuggle back in by your spine a little bit as the diaphragm lifts back up and the ribs drop down. just stay with that visual visualizing that really that physiological function of the breath and the body and then we're going to take it just one step deeper or maybe two steps (laughs) so as you inhale and the breath expands the lower ribs the diaphragm moves down it actually puts pressure on your abdominal organs putting pressure on your pelvic organs and there's a releasing down on your inhale, those muscles deep within the pelvis. So there's some pressure that's being applied from the downward movement of the organs. And then as you exhale, that pressure is released and the pelvic floor actually lifts back up. So you can think about the pelvic floor and the diaphragm having a synergistic relationship, which means they work together. So the ribs open, the diaphragm descends, the belly fills that downward pressure. So you're not pushing or bearing down, but you might feel a little bit of pressure moving down and then reverse the pathway. 
Pelvic floor muscles lift up, belly draws in, diaphragm lifts, ribs drop down. So stay with that visual if it's if it's helpful for you, using all those anatomical structures, if that's helpful. If not, just breathe in and out, let your belly expand. As you inhale, let your belly sink back by your spine on your exhale. So that's all you really need to know. But that other stuff is sometimes helpful. So just a few more moments here with that deep breath. And we're reopening or maybe establishing lines of communication between your respiratory diaphragm and your pelvic diaphragm. So just sitting for another few moments. And just know that you can tap into this breath at any time when you're feeding your baby or when you feel yourself getting a little overwhelmed or anxious, find that length in the spine and then just deepen your breath. And it sounds so simple, but it's surprising how often we don't do that. So just give yourself the 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 tool and the power of your conscious breath. It's good for you. It's soothing to your nervous system. And it just helps us feel better. And when you're ready, if you closed your eyes, feel free to open that. Hmm. That is lovely. (laughs) I think the somatic experience of that, I'll speak for myself, of just being able to have the organs and the muscle structures in concert with each other. Yes, that's a beautiful way to say it. Um, Yes, thank you. Kind of harmonizing. (laughs) She's a poet. (laughs) It's it's really, really a lovely um, and gentle reminder uh, but also gives us this hint of the power of all that for, oh. for pregnancy and postpartum, like for getting the baby out and for nourishing the body Hallelujah. and bringing the back together. Yeah. Hallelujah. Really nice. Yeah. Thanks. And it's it's so simple. You're so <laughs> welcome. And mm-hmm. mamas, you so deserve just that moment. So mm-hmm. take it. Please, please, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yay. Oh my God. What fun. I'm so thanks glad I got to offer you coming all a, a little, a little something, something. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. And, um, uh, we're gonna say goodbye, but, um, just remember we try to get a podcast out as often as we can. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and uh, we want you to um, look up Jane whenever you can and find out more about her. Jane, how would people find you? Oh, the best way is through my website. And it's just Jane Austen uh, Yoga.com. Jane Austen Yoga.com. And, you know, I got all kinds of goodies on there. And you can get my mailing on my mailing list and newsletter and all that good stuff if you want. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Thank you. Yeah. Esther, what a hoot. And yeah. at last. Yeah.
Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. Well, take care and we'll catch you next time. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> you can subscribe to this podcast in order to hear more from us. Thank you for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll join us next time on the fourth trimester. The theme music on this podcast was created by Sean Trott. Hear more at soundcloud.com slash Sean Trott. Special thanks to my true loves, my husband, Ben, daughter, Penelope, and baby girl, Evelyn. Don't forget to share the fourth trimester podcast with any new and expecting parents. I'm Sarah Trott. Goodbye for now.